are here today to help you save the world. I have with me across the table Joe Murphy, who you might be familiar with if you listen to a podcast I did earlier about a film that he had made. He was in with the actress um, Meg Afonso um, for The Place Just Right. And we have on the road in Texas his partner, John Kring. So welcome, Joe and John. Thank you. It's great to be back. I would just uh, like thank- to start by hearing about the, I can't pronounce it, your center in Clarksville, Anam Earth Center? Sure, that's the, the Anam Earth Center for Sustainability and Culture. Uh, A-N-A-M is actually the Irish word for soul, and it's run by some friends of mine, uh, um, Rob and Meg Breen, a uh, married couple. They, they have a, a homestead out in Clarksville, and this is a nonprofit educational organization uh, that they've been running for uh, 10 or 20 years, and it does a lot of different things. They have a lot of hands-on experience for people who want to come in, learn about s- sustainable farming. They have goats and chickens and all kinds of fun things. Uh, but they're, they, they also do uh, policy analysis. And uh, I started working with, with Rob about a little over a year ago on the policy analysis front. And then uh, that's also uh, kind of melded into environmental communications because you know one thing that – one thing that Rob and I keep coming back to is you know, the science of environmentalism and sustainability. Uh, not that that's easy, but it's, it's, it's kind of the easy part. I think policy and communications, getting people to, to think about the environment and to, to understand the problems and the solutions is really a bigger challenge than understanding these problems and solutions from a technical point of view. And so that kind of leads into what we're here today for is to talk about this movie that we want to do called Earth Day 2030. It's about climate change. And when we first started figuring out, gee, how are we going to promote this? It's just, we thought it might be funny to say it's a comedy beat about climate change. Because you usually don't think of comedy and climate change in the same sentence. So we are taking this kind of maybe a atypical approach because we want to get people's attention about climate change because I think a lot of people fret about it, a lot of people worry about it, but we don't talk about it enough. And so the goal of this movie is to get people talking about climate change and then ultimately hopefully acting on climate change. But the way we want to do that is in an approachable way by making people laugh. And I saw the trailer for the film, and it does two things. It starts with these shocking pictures that are getting so common we're no longer shocked by them. You know, various disasters. Hurricanes and, and floods yeah, and fires. fires. <laughs> and then it cuts away to children uh, saying they're bored, hearing about it. And, but then it gets them so that they're interested. And that seems to me the key. You've also, the two of you, launched a blog on the last Earth Day. And um, it seems that that has the same intention as your mockumentary, which is to get people talking about it, to get kids so they're not rolling their eyes, but actually engaged. Well, there's an old, you know, there's an old saying that uh, everybody talks about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. Uh, and I feel like that is where we are kind of now with climate change. It feels 
like something that uh, is inevitable. And uh, you either uh, believe that it is an impossible situation or you are in denial that it's even an issue. And instead of, you know, finding, you know, what it is that we can do on an ongoing basis, the little things that, you know, can uh, have a very, you know, a very great effect. You know, there was a, uh, there was a time uh, in this country where there was trash all over the side of the road. And uh, Betty Ford said, we need to do something about that. And uh, within a few years, that had been cleaned up. So, you know, obviously, this is a larger issue than trash on the side of the road. But that is a message to all of us that there are things that we can do about it. And I feel like these blogs are uh, another example to, you know, share with people. These are the little things that you can do, just like we're doing this little thing of uh, making a short film that Joe uh, wrote. Yeah, the little things like I, my sister sent out a calendar last month with clothes on a line and quoted Bill McKibben on how everybody can have a clothesline. So I went out and hung one. But you begin to feel like all these little things maybe aren't enough. I don't know. One of the things I liked about your blog was you have very specific ideas. And just paging through some of them here, this is um, one by... Elizabeth Hedrick Mosier and Anna Sharrett of the Free Forest School, and they write about creating opportunities for young children. They say how children can get depressed just feeling like, as you said, John, this enormity oppressing them, and what can you do about it? Um, And then there's one I just love on in the kitchen, what you can do in the kitchen, (laughs) in your own kitchen. Um, It's just this collection that do you too in your own lives with your own families follow some of these practices and what what are they well you know there like you said there there is a there are a variety of voices in in the blog we that's one of the goals that we had just get a lot of different people talking about it so you don't have to be a professor although we do have some professors who have submitted blog posts um you know we want uh parents we want people talking about how they speak with their kids, how do they speak with their neighbors, how they speak with their friends or strangers. Um, and a number of people did write blog posts about individual practices. Um, and uh, so, you know, one of the things I did recently was sign up for uh, solar energy. Uh, we can't put solar panels on our roof, but there are companies out there that you can sign up and get your electricity through a company that produces from solar you know, from, from solar panels. So, you know, so individual tips are one thing, um, but public policy, what government should be doing to kind of nudge uh, uh, individuals on in a collective basis or to have government do itself, those are other things to talk, talk about. But the overall theme of the blog is, is it's called How I Talked About Climate Change Today. And again, that could be a public policy person talking about it. We had uh, Carl Robigo, he's head of the uh, Pace Energy and Climate Center. Uh, downstate, and he talked about going on television program and talking about nuclear energy policy. And then we have the, a woman who runs the Pine Hollow Arboretum over in Slingerlands. She talked on, on a smaller level about uh, what they're doing there at the Pine Hollow Arboretum and also what she's done in her individual life. And she started out with that same thing, that we're so small 
her essay that you have on your post is, she, you know, we're so small, what can we do? But then she found things to do. Right. So right. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. My wife, has, it, she's always looking for ways to sort of remove plastic from our lives. And uh, she's a big fan of mustard. And she, uh, she searched and searched for, you know, ways to, uh, to get large containers of mustard so she wouldn't have all of these plastic containers that she was always buying. And uh, she wasn't really able to find anything. So she looked up, and now she makes her own mustard. And it actually, it tastes better. So, so there's, you know, there's a, there's a small little thing that, you know, we're not contributing uh, all of these, you know, uh, mustard containers to the environment and getting better mustard at the same time. So put a little mustard on it. That's a perfect analogy that we can improve, not just sacrifice, but... It seems like we need more government leadership, doesn't it? I mean, in World War II, everybody had their recycling down pat because there was a war effort that required it, and everybody had their victory gardens because they only had, you know, certain coupons for certain amounts of food, so they had a, you know, but they had a government effort leading them. You know, I think that's an excellent point, and I think one reason that, the difference between climate change versus you know World War II is everyone knew that World War II was a problem. It's staring you in the face. We can conceptualize it, right? It's personified in Hitler and some of the other you know, Mussolini and some of the other uh, you know, dictators or, or people who are enemies. But with climate change, who are you going to blame? Yeah. It's a hurricane, right? Well, or, yeah. Joe, Joe, you make a good point. Nobody uh, tried to say that uh, the bombing of Pearl Harbor was a false flag. You know, nobody, nobody, nobody was trying to say, you know, you know, Hitler's not that bad. I think that it's just, you know, probably, uh, you know, the, the Democrats that are making a, too big a deal about it. So, you know, we, we're all, we're fighting ourselves and trying to fight, uh, you know, this huge problem all at the same time. And at the same time, though, climate change is a real problem on the scale, or even I think you know greater than than any, even a world war, because we're talking about a global catastrophe. Um, and so, that's one of the things we're trying to accomplish with the movie is to get people to think about it in a different way. Because right now, people, you know, we're busy, we're busy with our own lives, and so we think about it when it's brought to our attention. If there's a fire that we see on the news, you know bright pictures of flames, or if it's a hurricane, oh my gosh, we need to figure out what to do with with this particular hurricane. But with the movie, we're trying to get people to understand what's it going to be like in in 12 years, to 11 years now, to to, uh, living in a world where where climate change has already progressed. And now this is not a special effects movie. We're not going to have 50-foot walls of hurricanes and floods and everything. This is more looking at the social aspect of it. What is it like when your kids don't know what a butterfly looks like? What is it going to be like when you have climate refugees moving in next door to you? Or maybe you're the climate refugee. And a refugee isn't someone who comes from another country. Maybe the refugee is someone who comes from New Jersey or Long Island or Arizona. You know, everyone in America, pretty much, we might be subject to extreme weather. And who knows who's going to be the next person that has to 
find a new place to live because their house was destroyed. And it's one thing to talk about this with statistics and say, you know, predict how many people would be moving and everything. But to see a movie where you see an actor portraying a person and you can then envision that, that will allow you to think about climate change in a different way than if you just picked up the paper or saw two people arguing about it on a talk show. So it isn't a someone else's future problem. This it's is our right problem. right here, right now. Exactly. And so that's similar in some ways to your first movie. <laughs> that's right, The Place Just <laughs> Right. Because it was taking us to a future time undisclosed and saw how people were dealing after a terrible plague had gone through and, and wiped out civilization as we know it. But this is not a fantasy. This Unfortunately. This is a reality, and you're portraying it. Um, I mean, is it giving away too much? Is it... You're using some of the same young actors that you used in the other film? Yeah, the, 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 there's going to be a real ensemble cast for uh, Earth Day 2030. We're going to have about half the actors are kids and about half are, are adults. And uh, you know, there's going to be about, about 20 principal actors in terms of you know, speaking parts. Um, and uh, in, in the previous movie, The Place Just Right, that was a smaller, more intimate movie. And it was... Mm-hmm. Science fiction, really, mm-hmm. um, in that it that's something that that might happen but might not happen was was climate change. It's happening now. It's already been happening, um, and again, how, the, the approach that we're taking to it, it's a comedy. And specifically, it's a mockumentary. So you may be familiar with that. Your listeners may be familiar with from TV shows like The Office or movies like uh, Best in Show, Spinal Tap. You know, it's a fake documentary. And what that allows us to do is uh, a couple things. One is uh, people are familiar with it and we can really have some outrageous scenarios. And uh, that's where some of the comedy comes in is, is you, you're, you're dealing with an outrageous scenario, which you're treating as commonplace, which is kind of what we're doing with, with, uh, with climate change. You know, we're, we're contemplating a world where, you know, uh, the, the oceans have warmed and and the, and the uh, the glaciers have melted and sea levels rising and we're, we're normalizing that and it, it's kind of uh, it's kind of crazy to do but if we in a movie we can bring the humor and have people yeah, where's the approach humor coming I'm just trying to picture how does humor play I I get the idea that it's real and it's here and it's now and you're going to be portraying that but the mockumentary part comes in because how. Well, I think. Well, Go ahead, well, John. Just ima- just, yeah, well, just imagine that wherever situation that uh, somebody is in, they try to normalize it. So here you have a world, you know, uh, where people have to go to the zoo to see, you know, to see creatures that they used to be able to go in and look at their, you know, in their backyard. Yes, it's like and, the frog in, in warm water. Exactly. If you do it very right. slowly, and, the frog stays exactly. in and dies. And so what like, you do? So so everybody is always trying to say everything's fine. No, no, it's you know it's great that you know you know these three hundred people are having to move into these tents. These tents are awesome, you know. And you know it, it's always, especially in the government situation. Uh, it's always trying to look on the bright side and sort of the darker it gets and the more that they, uh, they try to look at the bright side, that creates absurdity. And there's a lot of funny in absurdity. 
I see. I see. So it's the overstatement that the humor comes from, and it kind of punctures the tragedy. Wow. Well, you guys have your work cut out for you. Um, what's the schedule on this? Sure. We've got uh, uh, shooting dates scheduled for June, and we're going to be shooting just down the road in Voorheesville at St. Matthew's Church. It's going to double for an uh, elementary school classroom uh, and a few other locations, and then another location at a, uh, at a park where there'll be a pavilion where in the, in the movie – that's where some of the climate refugees will be living. Uh, we've got a great uh, character, uh, the mayor of this uh, fictional small town. It's going to be played by a really wonderful actor by the name of Richard Byrd. He's coming up from New York City to work with us. And this is a really gung-ho mayor who, like John said, normalizing the, 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 uh, the, the absurd, he's just so happy that, about uh, this new program to bring in all these climate refugees because he thinks it's going to be a great thing for the town. Now, we know climate refugees, that's a very serious problem. And I don't, we don't mean to um, downplay the, the seriousness of the, of the issue. Um, but in the movie, the absurdity comes that, uh, you know, this, this mayor is really pumping this idea. as just a, a wonderful thing. At the same time, he's kind of uh, short, using short thrift and providing the services to the, uh, to the refugees. And, and, we see, and we see that dichotomy between the mayor who is all gung-ho about the program, and some of the townspeople who are saying, hmm, not so fast. So the political rhetoric does not match the reality. Exactly. Common problem. Yes. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, right now you can go to our season spark uh, and, uh, you know, take a look at the video that you've been talking about and, uh, you know, pass it along to people. And if you want to, you know, please contribute because we're trying to uh, – we're trying – to see this uh, film, Earth Day 2030. And here's a good p- place to put in your address for your blog. Sure. So people can access it that sure. way. Sure. The blog is at our, our, our website, earthday2030.com. And then if you go on there, you can click on the blog page. So that's really easy. And John mentioned Seed and Spark, which is a really wonderful crowdfunding platform. It's run by and for independent filmmakers, and they help uh, small independent films like ours raise funds to get these films produced, edited, and distributed. And so we have a, um, if you go to our website, again, it's earthday2030.com, uh, you'll be able to click on a link to get to the Seed and Spark page, or you can just go right to seedandspark.com forward slash fund forward slash earthday2030, or just go to seedandspark.com and search for earthday2030 and we'll pop up. That's where we have our introductory video it's it's less than three minutes it's uh quick it's funny that's the one you saw and you described earlier it is funny and the kids in it are great Um, yeah no offense to you and john you're okay but the kids are really riveting we Um, know that's why we put them in there we're not we're not uh we're not proud and um so if all goes well and you wrap up the filming this summer how are you going to distribute it how do people get to see it how does it well, there's two stages. First is the uh, film festival process. You know, there, there's more and more film festivals out there these days, and some of them are geared specifically towards environmental films. Some of them are more broadly geared towards social justice movies. And then uh, we're, we can also submit it to just general film festivals who are looking for good films. And, you know, John is, is more – he's got a, a, a great, rich background in 
film production distribution. So, so maybe John can tell us how that process works, and then, and then also what the possibilities are now for for screening online or in theaters. So, John, did you have some thoughts there? Well, uh, you know, I you know I think that this is a, this is a project we want to show people uh, how this could even make a great feature film. Uh, you know, when Joe came to me, he pointed out that the only sort of climate change movie that people are familiar with is that uh, movie from about uh, 10 years ago, The Day After Tomorrow. Yeah. So, you know, 15 years ago. Right. Uh, the opportunity to speak uh, about something like this, but do it in a way that entertains and, you know, is thought provoking. Uh, I, I feel like we're, you know, I think people are going to be surprised and uh, very, very, uh, you know, very, very interested. And hopefully we'll get a team together to, you know, see the feature made, too. I actually wrote the script as a feature film initially. and But, you know, you don't want to bite off more than you can chew initially. So I thought, hey, you know, let's make it as a short film first. So I took the, the it's kind of the core plot elements and the core characters and we and we pared it down, and that's why we're doing the short film first. So the plan is to shoot it in the summer, edit it, submit it to film festivals, so hopefully do the film festival around the next 12 to 18 months. And if that gets enough interest, we would like to, like John mentioned, hey, let's raise some money and shoot a feature film. Again, shoot it here in upstate New York in the capital region. We've got the actors. We've got the production capability. We've got the, the people who know how to do it. And... Uh, we, this is a project we would like to like to do at a short feature, a short film and a feature film level over the next two to three years. So if this all plays out, if the world, if your future unfurls the way you would want it, people would see this feature film. What what would it accomplish? What would it do? Well, getting back to kind of well, there's a lot of uh, social science research that shows that people can't wrap their heads around certain uh, issues if it takes place in the future and they haven't experienced it before. So right now that's kind of a lot of climate change is in the future. And so we want people to go into the theater, come out, say, oh, now I get it in a way that I didn't get it before. So it's like bombing Pearl Harbor. Yes. Now we don't want to have... a trigger to we want people cause to, action. We want people to feel what it's like to live in a climate-changed world before it happens so while we still have time to fix things. And that's the important thing, I think, is that we do are facing serious challenges. We do have the tools to address climate change. We just need to move. We need to move collectively. We need to do it quickly. So do you have any sort of political component to your plans, any kind of... Or I saw there was only one sort of political post about on your website about Republicans using some of the um, climate change in, in their policy proposals. But it just seems like to actually solve it, I mean, now that we're not even in the Paris Accord, um, you know, and we're one of the nations that contributes most to, to the problems with global warming, um, that it's going to have to have some sort of political component in order to... Well, I do think that the government is going to need to act, and that comes down, you know, that leads to political questions. We're not addressing that angle directly. We think that if we get people 
talking about climate change and thinking about climate change. I think some of the, hopefully, some of the solutions will become self-evident. I mean, we certainly have our own personal opinions about what should be done, uh, but we don't think we need to hit that over the head directly. We certainly with this movie or with the blog, uh, we think that if we get people thinking about it and talking about it, they'll get on the right path, and that's a necessary step to get to where we need to be. Well, as a small well, family, you know, this is go ahead. Well, this is a you know, yeah, pardon me. This is a uh, you know, this is a human problem. This isn't even a, an American problem. So anything that we do that separates us from our fellow man on this is going to be limited. You know, take, for example, that uh, uh, Burger King just uh, released that they were going to have a vegetarian water in almost every one of their stores. You never would have imagined that that was something that would have happened five years ago. But now uh, a one of the largest fast food chains in the world is going to have a vegetarian option, which is going to sit, is going to contribute positively to uh, climate change. So, uh, to to me, you know, our job is to show people that the little things that touch you, you know, and what, when you walk out of that film, you go, you know what, I could do something. I could do this. I, I actually can make a difference. It's all about hope. And uh, I think that this film, you know, is about showing people that there is hope, but the hope is in the individual and not in just the Republicans or the Democrats or the liberals or conservatives. I hope you're right. Uh, as a small town editor for 30 years, when I 30 years ago would write editorials about climate change, I would always get a dozen letters of people telling me I was crazy. So now mm-hmm. we've progressed, you're right, to the point where corporations have to pay attention because of what the marketplace bears. But right. I still think there's the problem, even though my readers no longer write in and say, hey, it's not real. There's some people out there that still feel that way. Notably, our president, but the idea of moving to action is hard. Maybe we should just delve into some of the things you have on your blog because they're really practical little things, you know, like putting up the clothesline that people can do. Um, I, here's one that you have it's um, what works and doesn't work when talking about climate change, and here we are talking about it. I hope we're following the rules. It says, the best images show how climate change, hurt, change hurts real people where they live. And that's what your film is going to do. Exactly. Um, when people see climate change as a local issue, issue, they're more likely to describe it as a personal issue. And I can see that even in local legislation on things we've covered. Certain towns we've covered have done things differently with recycling because there's enough of a nexus, mm-hmm. and maybe in Clarksville and Forestville, where you're filming, people will do that. I, I mean, are there any favorite ones? I love the example you had of your wife and the mustard, but do you have any <laughs> other examples of things that our listeners could, you know, put down their iPods and go out and do these things? Yeah, I, I, you, I think you, you identified one of my favorite blog posts, which is how, what's a, what are good ways, effective ways to talk about climate change and how to reach people? Yeah. And uh, so you know, rather than what we can do as individuals, 
deals with how to how to talk about the issue so that we can reach people and uh, who may not agree with us or even if they do agree with us how we can engage them and it it has a lot of tips for how to do that um, even and it addresses the Republican versus Democratic divide and it really looks at you know psychology how, how do you reach people how do you talk how do you talk to people um, and you know there's a lot of images for example of the polar bear floating on ice which we've we may have seen that image and while at first glance first glance you might think well that's going to be an effective image but it's really it turns out not to be because people think oh it's a polar bear he's in up in the arctic you know we live here in new york whereas if you see a picture of people flooded in your local area you might think oh gosh climate change it does affect us here and it affects us in a way that's that's happening now, not just something that might be happening in 20 years. So I found that particular blog post to be very effective in helping me realize how to think about, how to talk about it with other people. Yeah, and another one that really struck me was this one, it's called Unicorns, Kitchens, and Nature Relatedness, and it makes a distinction between like taking a walk in the woods and feeling peaceful and being related to nature all the time, even when you're on the subway, realizing that you're part mm-hmm. of this larger world. It's not something you're an outsider and you go visit occasionally, but you're affecting it in your just everyday existence, which is like a whole mind and, and switch. I, yeah, I think that's one thing that's because I think it's become clear, more clear to scientists, certainly, in, in the past couple of decades. And I think we need to, to get that across to the public, which is that we live in an ecosystem world, okay? Everything is interrelated. So when the ocean uh, temperatures rise, well, even if you don't live on the coast, it's going to affect you because hurricanes and global weather patterns are affected by the temperature of the water. So you may have more um, tornadoes in Tornado Alley in the the Midwest based on what's happening in water temperature in the Pacific Ocean. And that's just one example of the interwoven web of ecosystems. And so it's not just a checkerboard with discrete units. It's an interwoven world in which we live. And that's... It's not... And and it's not always just hurricanes. Uh, this, This winter... California, you know, uh, uh, I believe it was uh, in like Malibu or or uh, in the hills of uh, Los Angeles. They had snow. They've never had snow before. So if that is not an indicator to you that uh, things are changing and it's not a cha- it's not a good change. Then uh, you know I don't know what else, you know I don't know what else I can tell you you know <laughs> yeah. the more the more that you can make it personal for people the more that you can make it about their family their dog their fit their goldfish the more that they're going to be able to do something about it. I think that's an excellent thought, and our time has gone so fast. Do each of you want to just have one closing thought to leave our listeners with? I would say don't get depressed about climate change. Learn a little bit more about it, what you can do, and take some action. 
And one thing you could do is help our movie get made. Okay, very good. And John, do you have a closing thought? Maybe he's disconnected. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. My uh, my wife was just telling me something. Oh, good. She was just she she just reminded me. She said that when she did the research, she found out that one per that the two people in one year use one full tree worth of toilet paper. <laughs> your so, wife is really amazing. Not just her mustard, but her toilet paper research. So what, so are we, she made what do we do about that? So she made us. She made us get. So she made us get up a day, oh. so that we would not be <laughs> we would not be uh, using that tree anymore. Oh, I love your wife. Tell her thank you. That's the best parting shot we've ever had. <laughs> Over and out. Thank you.